Open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number uh, 26 is where I want us to be. Matthew, chapter number 26. And uh, before we get into this, let's just look at the Scripture. Matthew, chapter 26. And we could be reading this over in Mark. We could read it reading in Luke. But let's look at Matthew, chapter number 26. Look down with me in verse number 17. The Bible says, Now on the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Now, for time's sake, I'm not going to chase much here, but when you read the Bible and you read uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover, all, both are kind of part of the same event. Uh, we'll go into more detail about that later. And so you could, you could call both of them either name. It, it's, they're, they're just, it's all part of Passover. And Jesus said to them, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, Jesus sat down with the 12. Now, as they were eating, Jesus said, surely I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each one of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And Jesus answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? Jesus said to him, you have said it. Now, verse 26, Jesus now is about to institute the Lord's Supper. As they were eating, Jesus took the bread. He blessed it and he broke it. He gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, tonight, if you'll take your bulletin, we'll just deal with it. I want us to consider two questions before we actually eat the bread and drink of the cup. And question number one is a good question. What does the Lord's Supper mean? Now, Jesus with his disciples, what he was doing, he was saying to them, men, what you don't understand, <laughs> we're going to eat this bread and we're going to drink of this cup, but you need to understand they represent my body and what is about to happen to me. But if someone just said to you, what does the Lord's Supper mean? Well, if I had to answer that with one Bible verse, my, you write this verse down in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 would answer that question. And that verse says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's a great old verse. 
And as you look at these tables, and in a moment you'll hold your bread and you'll hold the cup. What, what does all this mean? What is this about? It's about that verse. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become our sin, to be sin. He actually took on your sin and mine and the sin of the whole world. So that what? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, how did God do that? Well, that's what he was trying to help the disciples understand. It's what he was teaching the disciples. Now, as you, as you think about the Lord's Supper and what it really means, that's, that's question number one. You, you begin to kind of think about some things. And when you think through the Lord's Supper, first of all, you realize that God's timing is perfect. And that's a bulletin fill-in right there. God's timing is perfect. Now, you say, well, now, help me with that. Okay, think with me a moment. Passover. If you go back in the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 12, remember the children of God were in Egyptian bondage. And you read about it in Exodus chapter 12. And God told Moses, he said, now Moses, what you do, I want you to have all the Jewish people, all of my people, I want them to kill an animal, kill a lamb, and put the blood over the doorpost and over the lintel over the door. And at midnight tonight, I'm going to pass through. See, uh, Moses has been telling Pharaoh to let his people go, and he wouldn't do it. And God says, okay. They've had all these plagues. They, they said no to every one of them. They won't say no to this one. They're not only going to say yes to this one. They're going to they're beg you to get out. And he said, because at, 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 at midnight tonight, I'm coming by, and every house that has blood over the doorpost, I'm going to pass over that house. And those that do not, the firstborn of every family member and of every animal will be dead. There will not be a house in all Egypt. <laughs> There's not weeping and mourning and death except those that have uh, the blood around the doorpost. Now, you know, you're familiar with that. Well, that's, but then God said, this is to be an eternal thing that you do from now always. And today, the Jewish people celebrate Passover very, very seriously. They remember back they teach their children, their grandchildren, what God did when he passed over. So they have Passover. Now, Josephus, who was a Jewish historian in, in this period of time, has written about what, how all the details of that event. And the one little detail that's very significant for us tonight is at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the animals would be killed that the people were going to use for their Passover meal. Now, it's very, very interesting. The Bible tells us, and I want you to turn with me, if you will, over in the book of Luke, very quickly in chapter 23. I want you to see a couple of verses in Luke chapter 23. Now, remember what Josephus say? Josephus teaches us by what he's written that the animals, they were slain about three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, what about our Savior? Well, look in Luke chapter 23, verse 44. It says, now it was about the sixth hour. Now, by Jewish time, that would be noon. The Jewish day begins at 6 a.m. So at the sixth hour, it would now be noon. So about noon, there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour. Now, the ninth hour would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, Jesus breathed his last breath. 
He died. Now think about something. <laughs> Time, I mean, look, Jesus, the crucifixion could have been any time, we would say, but not in God's plan. God said, no, there's a connection. You have a timing. You see, the timing of God is so very important. And even in the death of the Lord Jesus, uh, he, he could have been crucified whenever, but God's timing, the Passover lamb, and the Bible teaches us that Christ is our Passover lamb. So when we think about what we're doing, it, part of that is just to remember that the timing of God is so very important. In fact, the Bible says to everything, there's a season, a time for every purpose. God's timing is so important. Listen, if we'll do God's will in God's timing, it is a win-win every single time. You just remember that in your life. You're trying to figure out something, and you say, I believe this is God's will, okay? Well, we need to not only know God's will, we need to go God's timing. And all of us could tell illustrations in our life, I know I can, where I felt something to be God's will, but it was not God's timing. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we get ahead of God's timing. But if we'll just wait, God will make it clear. We know this is God's will, and we feel like this is God's timing. And you put those two together, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'll tell you what else. When you think through the Lord's Supper, you realize that God's solution to sin is complete. And what is God's solution to sin? It is the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The Bible tells us the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all of our sins. We know that old hymn, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the what? Blood of Jesus. It's the blood. You say, well, we know. Listen, did you know many sincere good people? I prayed with one this morning that was saved this very morning. It was the most beautiful testimony. A grown lady came and said, I've been coming here for several years, and I've, I've tried to live a good life, and I've thought all these years that I had my salvation uh, down, and I realized that it's all been more like, she didn't use these words, but what she was saying, it's been about religion and good works and stuff. Folks, let me tell you, without the conviction of the Holy Spirit that a person understands they have sinned, and that their sins have separated them from God, and they've put their faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, there is no remission of their sins. It's the blood of Jesus. Now, to me, that's such an exciting thing. We don't have to live a perfect life because we're not going to live a perfect life. And we need to try to live a godly life, but we're not going to live a perfect life. But that's not how you go to heaven. We go to heaven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what the Lord's Supper is all about, God's solution to sin. But not only that, when you think through the Lord's Supper, you realize that God's love is inclusive. You know, the Bible says, whosoever will. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, nobody is so bad they can't be saved. And nobody is so good they don't need to be saved. And many people struggle with that. It's easier to get a person that's living just as far from the will of God as they can live, an ungodly life, to come to know the Lord 
that it is to get an old person that thinks, well, I'm, I'm a good person, I'm a moral person, I'm a hardworking person, I belong to the church, and I do this, and I do that, and I do that. Listen, those people, they don't understand. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, and God's love is inclusive, and I thank the Lord for that. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Bobby, I see you way back there tonight. Uh, you're so big, I can see you in the back. But I tell you, I was watching you up in that baptistry this morning, and I was seeing you baptize people that uh, I bet some not too long ago, many of those people would have thought, uh, never thought about being saved. They, they, and the devil would have had them believing that maybe things and the ways they had lived, they couldn't be saved. And, and God used you in that ministry. And this morning, if you were in the 11 o'clock service, I tell you, we had a shouting time out here at 11 o'clock. If I hadn't sent Bobby a text to kind of calm him down a little bit, I don't know what would happen, but I'll tell you what. He did an outstanding job, and I just sat there rejoicing, thinking, you know what? That is so true. Red, yellow, black, or white, they're all precious in God's sight. Could I have an amen to that? So listen, this is what this table is all about. Now, quickly, question number two, and we're going to eat the bread and drink of the cup. Here's question number two. What does the Lord's Supper mean to you? Now, that's the question. Well, I can answer it partly for you. It, it, it does mean something to you. You're here. You're here. The truth is, this is what I believe with every fiber of my body. When God's church announces the Lord's Supper, the building should be full. I mean, we don't, people don't hear me say that, but it's truth. We've had a wonderful gathering, but this place ought to be full. This is the most sacred thing we do. In fact, Jesus even commands us to take the Lord's Supper. So the question is, what does the Lord's Supper mean to you? Well, let's, for the others, they'll have to deal with that themselves. But I'll tell you, it means something you hear and here's the good news tonight. You know, in all of our lives, if we're not careful, we'll just let Satan kind of get a little foothold here and a little foothold there. And it may be an attitude wrong or it may be whatever. And the next thing you know, that thing just begins to kind of push us away from God. So what I want you to do tonight is to bow your head. And before we eat the bread and drink of the cup, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit tonight to reveal to you any sin in your life, anything in your life that needs to be changed, that needs to be different, that needs to be forgiven. This is cleansing time. And the way it happens is the blood of Jesus Christ. This is one of the most precious times we ever have in the life of the church time just to right now confess our sins admit to God God here's an area I'm struggling maybe your faith has grown weak maybe you kind of doubt in this and doubt in that doesn't mean you're bad at all we're humans and sometimes the old flesh I mean we all deal with this I sure do 
Dottie and I were talking about it an hour before I came back to church. Just how easy it is to let to let this and that and yonder kind of let the flesh have a little victory. Listen, we all we're all flesh, and flesh can sure have a victory. Tonight, I want you to ask the Spirit to have the victory. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. And I'll tell you what makes that work when He's all in you. <laughs> if you've got an unconfessed error of sin in your life, He's not all in you. He's in you. When you trusted Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. But if you've let some sin stay there, then they're not going to be the victory you could have. Ask God tonight to cleanse you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. God, all my life, I can, as long as I can remember, I've, I, that old song, what can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. <laughs> God, thank you that you made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, to be our sin, so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. God, cleanse us. Cleanse our church. God, just may there be a cleansing come on this church like unto which we've never seen. That the windows of heaven can open and we see people saved like we've never imagined. Lord, help us tonight as we eat the bread and drink the cup. May it be a special time for us, just ourselves and you, is my prayer now. In Jesus' name, you just continue to pray. Our men are going to come now, and we're going to serve. We want you tonight. You don't have to be a member of our church to take Lord's Supper. You need to be a Christian, and you need to ask God to cleanse you of any sins you've not asked His forgiveness. And then you eat that bread, you drink that cup, and you just remember what this thing really means. And let it mean something very special to you is my prayer.